Oma jnana timirandasya jnananjana salakaya Chakshurunaritam jenatasmai shri gurave namaha Ajanulam vito bhujo kanaka bodhato Sankirtanayaka pitaro kamalaya takshu Vishpambaro dvijabaro yugadharma palo Bande jagat priyakaro karunabhutaro Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai, Sri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Sri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupad ki jai, Sri Bhakti Rakshida Debugo Swami Maharaj ki jai, Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Sashri Thakur Prabhupad ki jai, Sri Bhakti Vinod Puribar ki jai, Sri Krishnas Kabiraj Goswami Mahashai ki jai. So we're discussing from chapter 19, Madhya Leela. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructs Srila Rupa Goswami. As I've mentioned before, in this chapter and in the Sanatana Siksha, the chapters involving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions to Sanatana Goswami, all of the Gaudiya Vaishnava Siddhanta is contained. We have not yet reached the point in this chapter where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is instructing Rupa Goswami. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was at Prayag, and Sri Rupa Goswami and Anupam, or Sri Bhalava, his Chotubhai, younger brother, have arrived. And they have, from a distance, paid their respects to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rupa Goswami said, Namo Mahabodhanaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gaurutvishena Maha Yogyana Matam Bhuvanam Dayalur Ulaghayam Apiyakarot Pramatam Suprema Sampat Sudayabhuteham Sri Krishna Chaitanyam Amum Prapadye. These two verses, the first of which is, is more famous and well known, and we discussed at some length. The second of which also is found in the introduction to Kaviraj Goswami's other famous book, Govinda Lilamrita. In Govinda Lilamrita, the faithful follower, Rashi Rupa Goswami, Sri Krishna Kaviraj Goswami Mahasaya, took 11 verses of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which give some insight into the Astakali love Radha and Krishna, the eightfold Lila. The Lila of Radha and Govinda has been divided into eight sections, eight periods of time, making up the 24 hours of the day. So in a capsulized way, Rupa Goswami gave an explanation of the day in the life of Radha and Govinda. And Krishnadas Kabiraj Goswami churned those 11 verses into thousands, a couple of thousand verses, maybe 2,200 verses, in his famous book called Govinda Lilamrita. This book, Govinda Lilamrita and Chaitanya Charitamrita, he's most known for, Chaitanya Charitamrita is written in Bengali with about 10% Sanskrit verses that are the Praman slokas for his statements given in simple Bengali language. But he's a great scholar, Sanskrit scholar as well, and we find that in Govinda Lilamrita, extremely wonderful poetic Sanskrit with many, many layers of meaning. So... This is our Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. Here he has cited Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's verse in his book, which also, as I say, makes up 
part of his introduction to the great Gurundali Lamrita. The verse translates as Srila Prabhupada has rendered it thus. We offer our respectful obeisances unto that merciful Supreme Personality of Godhead who has converted all the three worlds which were maddened by ignorance and saved them from their diseased condition by making them mad with the nectar from the treasure house of love of God. Let us take full shelter of that Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, whose activities are wonderful. So appropriately, before entering into an extensive and very esoteric explanation of the love play of Radha and Govinda, Kabiraj Goswami has offered his obeisances using this verse to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the implication of this course is that we will enter into Krishna Lila only through the doorway of Gorlila. As Prabhupada said, my place of worship is Navadvip. My place of residence is Vrindavan. So it has become customary in Gaudiya sects throughout that any discussion of the Leela of Radha and Govinda, any song, Leela Kirtan, about Radha and Govinda will be prefaced with a song or a discussion or verse or parallel Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And this is the implication. Through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu we can enter into the true significance of Radha Govinda's Leela. And it is he, as Krishnadas Kabirash Goswami says here, who maddened the world by his distribution of love of God, a world that was already mad and intoxicated by sense gratification. The depths of ignorance and the height of enlightenment have similarities, but they're as different as night and day. This term, pramata, madness, unmata, it was used repeatedly to describe Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's condition, and it could be used to describe that of an ordinary madman as well. So the implication is also that Gaudi Vaishnavism seeks not to change the structure of our life, but lift it up as you would a building on jacks. You know, you take a jack and you lift up a building, take out the foundation, put a new foundation, let it come back down. It's all about motivation, our angle of vision. Everything else is external. All of our services and the way we keep ourselves busy in Krishna consciousness is only as Krishna conscious as our angle of vision has changed. And the change is from that of an enjoyer, an aggressor, an asserter, to that of a servant a submissive, a syncophant, actually. You know what a syncophant is? It means a yes-man. He has no opinion of his own. Yes, yes, yes. This is the idea. This is why Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur emphasized service, practical service, sweeping the temple, and doing the gardening, and these type of things, over-chanting. Not that we shouldn't chant, not that chanting isn't important. It's most important, it's all important. But there's a spirit to which we should enter into the chanting. And if that's not there, then it will not be very fruitful. The whole basis of our potential participation in Krishna Lila is service. All of the loving moods that we find in Krishna Lila are all expressions of a serving attitude. Vidamarsh emphasized this. He used to use the word slavery, divine slavery. So only as much as we can get this service attitude 
in place, do we have any chance for attaining any standing, any real estate in that land beyond death? While many Gaudiya sects would stress the chanting and discussion of the leelas and so forth, even more so, as I say, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsi would like to stress practical service. And he created the mission and probably very much followed in that mood also, as did Sridhar Marsh, emphasizing practical service over, for example, going and sitting and chanting a lack a day. Even though Mahaprabhu said he would not eat food from anyone who did not chant a lack a day, our charges, rather than taking that literally, have taken that and applied it appropriately, as any preacher should, or anyone who preaches should be able to do, applied it practically in order to derive the necessary results. The Lord accepts food from his servants. Serving attitude must be there. It means to say that there may be many people that can go and sit and chant, but they don't have any attitude for serving. Shudamarsh used to say, if we're chanting the holy name, Japa and Gurudev says, so-and-so das, come over here. And we say, I'm chanting now, as if to say, Gurudev, I'm chanting. I mean, what could be higher than this? And you want me to do something? He said, that is what we call sahajiya. Then, One way of explaining that. So, change the foundation. In other words, everything else can stay in place. Therefore, we have a madman on one end of the spectrum, a madman on the other end of the spectrum. There's really no difference in external appearance. That's why persons without a serving attitude who try to enter into these texts have written things, explanations of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's ecstasy and madness based on medical information and psychological, psychiatric analysis and so forth, concluded maybe he was an epileptic, he had some other problem, and so forth. So it looks like one thing on the outside. It looks like ordinary life, but on the inside it's different. So we have to change our inside. And that is more important than being a tattvavit, learned in the scriptures, and very expert in singing nicely, and playing the Rudanga, and whatever it may be. That service attitude is all in all. If that's in place, everything else will come. Taste for chanting will come. In realization. So, now to continue with the narrative. Tobe Mahaprabhu Tanrenukote Goshila Sanatan Erbortta Kaha Tanhari Puchila. So then, after this, Mahaprabhu Tanrenikite Goshila. He sat and called Sri Balava and Sri Rupa to come and sit down next to him. Sanatan Erbortta Kaha Tanhari Puchila. He said, What news do you have of Sanatan? Rupa. Kohen, Rupa Goswami replied, Tengho Bandihai Rajagade. He's been arrested by the court of the Nuabhusensa. He's in jail. Tumi Jadi Udhar. He says, but if you will kindly rescue him, Tobe Hoyube Udhare, then he will be liberated from that entanglement. So he's making a request. How does Mahaprabhu reply? Prabhu kohe sanatana hona che mochana. Achirat ama saha hoibe milan. Now the question here is, is Mahaprabhu, out of his omniscience, understanding the situation of Sanatana and explaining it to Rupa Goswami when he says that Sanatana has already been released? Achirat ama saha hoibe milan. Very soon he will come 
and meet with me. He asked Rupa Goswami what was the position of Sanatan. Rupa Goswami said he's been arrested. He's in jail. If you will be kind to him, then he can be liberated. Mahaprabhu replies, he's already liberated. He's out of jail, and soon he'll meet with me. So it may appear that out of his omniscience, Mahaprabhu's is saying he knows the situation, actually. He's been released. Soon he'll meet with me. Of course, it will come later on in Chaitanya Charitamrita, but we've read it, hopefully, so we know that Sanatan was in jail. 10,000 gold coins were left. We heard that already. We were left with a grocer, and Sanatan was informed of that. Sanatan Goswami used the 10,000 coins to negotiate with the jailkeeper. He was very crafty in doing so, the way he spoke to him. This will come up later on. And as a result, he gained release. But here we find the actual reason for his release. What really caused it? What caused it? Rupa Goswami's desire. And Mahabhabhu immediately says, it's done. He's out. He's free. Such is the position of Rupa Goswami. <laughs> Whatever he desires, Mahabhabhu will fulfill that immediately. He's like a desire tree himself. Such is the position of the real Vaishnava. He's a vancha kalpaturu, a wish-fulfilling tree, desire tree of love of God. Now the subject is coming up repeatedly on the Sangha. Questions I have been avoiding repeatedly on the same subject are coming to me, and I have to deal with them. One preacher is saying that Prabhupada, in initiating many of his disciples, through tape, gave the mantra diksha on tape, that he was cheating them or just trying to encourage them, but that was not the real initiation. And therefore, all those persons, they want to be initiated, they have to hear the mantra in the right ear. Implication is, of course, from him, from that preacher. So this is nothing new, but I'm getting a lot of questions about it. Apparently that group is preaching it strongly. I think I've discussed this with some of you before, but very briefly, let me give you a couple of examples how to think about this. Prabhupada initiated many of his disciples by tape. I was initiated by the tape. changed my life. And there were a number of disciples who were not initiated by tape, but heard it directly from through the ear. The implication would be that they were in a better position well, we would have to take to really analyze this rationally with a Western mind. <laughs> we must, being possessed of one, we would have to do a survey and study and see, well, those who received it directly in the right ear from him, have they made more advancement than those who, which would seem to be the implication that those who really weren't even initiated yet. And then we would have to ask the question, well, why some were just encouraged, but not told so, and others were, given the real initiation. And why, if those were just encouraged, were they also allowed to worship the deity and do other type of activities that are generally considered that one is eligible for after receiving the mantra diksha and so forth and so on. All kinds of questions like that would have to be asked. And, but more than that, and we know the answer, so we don't need to take a survey, 
really. But more than that, I want to cite a couple of examples for you that will be, I think, telling in this regard. One, Sridhar Maharaj, when he heard that Prabhupada gave the initiations on tape to people in the foreign lands and so forth, he also began giving on tape. He also spoke the mantra on tape and allowed initiations to go on in this way. Puri Goswami Maharaj, when he heard that Prabhupada did it, and when Western people started coming to him, Bhakti Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, and then he heard that Sridhar Maharaj did it, he began doing also. <laughs> so this is uh, an example of how God-brothers of Prabhupada, the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, had some sense about his preaching, the nature of his campaign, who were in touch with those who had been in touch with him or were coming in the wake of his influence and so forth, how they reacted to this innovative policy of Prabhupada. Furthermore, Sridhar Maharaj was once asked about those disciples of Prabhupada who never met him, who were living in distant lands, but were initiated by him. What was their connection? And he gave the story of how he was invited to Sri Chandadaya Mandir in Mayapur when Prabhupada was establishing the Anantasesh Murti in the foundation of the temple that he wanted to build. There was a ceremony where you would put Anantasesh in the ground and, and installation procedures were performed. Sridharmarsh was invited by Prabhupada to oversee that, to give his blessings to that. Sridharmarsh came across the Ganga with Govinda Maharaj, his disciple, and he said, Swami Marsh greeted me on his veranda in his gumcha, which is his way of saying, we were very intimate. In his gumcha he came, informal, to greet me. And then we took prashad in the back. I've seen a picture of them all taking prashad in the back on the veranda. And after he served this very nice prashad, then Swami Maharaj, as Sridhar Maharaj would affectionately address Prabhupada, brought me in his quarters, and he asked me, please now take some rest after taking prashad. So I followed his request, and I took rest, and Swami Maharaj went downstairs, then he performed the ceremony. After the ceremony was performed and Swami Maharaj came back upstairs and we were about to leave, Govinda Maharaj, disciple of Sridhar Maharaj, asked Prabhupada, Swami Maharaj, you have invited our Gurudev here to oversee the ceremony, but after taking prashad, you have put him in the bed to take rest and you have gone down and performed the ceremony. How are we to understand this? At that time, Prabhupada replied, by the will of the Vaishnava, everything is done. I did not want to trouble your Gurudev with all of the details of the physical activities and so forth that are involved. I wanted his will, his blessing. He came, he took prashad, he gave his blessing, so it will be successful. I carried out the work. I did not want to trouble him with that. This is Prabhupada's attitude. So Sridhar Maharaj used this example to answer the question. So in effect, he said, by the will of the Vaishnava, everything is done. It's in place. Everything else is a detail. So Prabhupada agreed to accept them as disciples. He had a system, and the devotees would be recommended, new people, and Prabhupada would accept them based on the recommendation, and he would write a letter and say, so-and-so, and-so-and-so, and-so. You can give them the tape. They are my second-initiated disciples. Play the tape in their right ear. Hundreds and hundreds of letters, like, play the tape in their right ear, and they will be my second-initiated disciples, and so forth. So while the carried on by the tape and someone else officiated and so forth. Prabhupada's will was behind it. This was Sridhar Maharaj's analysis, a very essential spiritual analysis of the nature of the transaction that we call 
initiation. Someone has given the example of two terms of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I forget the terms at the moment, but one term refers to the external initiation. The second term refers to real inner initiation. And they've used these terms to say that giving it on the tape, this is the external, this is what Bhaktivinoda Thakur is saying, and Prabhupada is a real follower of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, therefore, only when he gave it in the ear, this was the real initiation. But the terms, what they really refer to is external and internal. External refers to the external aspects of the affair. And internal refers to the Vaishnava's willingness to give his will, to give his blessing, to share his faith, which is the backing of the mantra, which is what he gives. Otherwise, without his backing, then what will be there? So, this is a very dangerous kind of preaching. And although there may possibly be good intention behind it to collect up some disciples of Prabhupada who are confused and so forth and bring them in the fold, it is not very well thought out. And it does not accurately represent Srila Prabhupada. And so, relative to our discussion, the will of the Vaishnav, that is all important. The will of Rupa Goswami, freed Sanatana Goswami. When voiced to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was released. This is the idea. Madhyana korite vipra prabhavi kohila rupa gosai se divas tathani rohila. So, the Brahman requested Mahaprabhu to take his lunch and Rupa Goswami also remained there during that time. Patacharya dui bhaiye nimantran kohila prabhuro shesha prasad Patra So, Balabhadra invited the two brothers to take lunch also. The remnants of the food from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was thus offered to them. They took Mahaprabhu's prasad. Triveni upar prabhuravas karasthana duibhaivas kaila prabhu sanidhan. So, Mahaprabhu selected his residence beside the confluence of the Ganges and the Jamuna, a place called Triveni. Triveni means the three rivers, so it's Ganges and Jamuna. What is the third? That is the Saraswati. Saraswati is a famous river from Vedic times that is not manifest at this time. So they say it's unmanifest, underground, but it's still called Triveni, the confluence of the three rivers. And the brothers Rup and Sribalaba selected their residence near the lords. Sekali. So at that time, Bhalabhabhata Rohi Adilagrami. Bhalabhabhata was residing nearby in Adoila Gram. Mahaprabhu Oila Shuni Oila When he heard that Mahaprabhu had arrived, he went to his place to see him. So again now, Balabhata, Balabhacharya, mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita. We heard about him earlier in relation to Mahaprabhu's visit to Vrindavan. We have the darshan of Gopal, who was situated at Govardhan, and Mahaprabhu refused to walk on Govardhan, but the deity made an arrangement to come down from Govardhan by arranging for the Muslims to attack, and uh, in this way Mahaprabhu got the darshan of the deity. And we heard that Rupa Goswami, following in Mahaprabhu's footsteps when he came to Vrindavan, refused to walk on Govardhan Hill, but he wanted to have the darshan of the deity, and at that time the deity also made an arrangement and he stayed at the house of Vitalnath, Vital, and Vital was the prominent son of Balabacharya. 
So we discussed at some length then the intimacy between the Balaba sect and the Gaudiya sect. And it was mentioned in our discussions that Rupa Goswami in two places in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu at the conclusion of his section on Vaidhi Sadhana and at the conclusion of his section on Raghunuga Sadhana in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he says, respectively, and there is another group and they call themselves Maryada, Marg, and they're more or less the same as us. And there is another group and they call themselves Pushti, Marg, and they're more or less the same as us. Pushti and Maryada are the two Balabha terms that correspond with Raghunuga and Vaidhi in Gaudiya Sampradaya. There are some differences, some strong differences. They don't emphasize Radharani, but rather Chandravali. And we've discussed these things also in our discussion about Gadadhar Pandit, on the Tirubhav of Gadadhar Pandit. We discussed the Balabha's connection, which comes later on in Antilila, where he's brought up again with Gaudiya Sampradaya by way of initiation from Gadadhar Pandit at a time when Gadadhar Pandit was exhibiting the mood of Rukmini, who is Chandravali in Krishna Lila, who gets the prominent position in Dwarka as Rukmini, where Satyabhama, Radharani comes as Satyabhama, the roles are reversed, and Puri being representative of Dwarka and so forth, we discussed all these things. And he, when he received initiation in the Madhurya Ras Mantra from Garadhar Pandit, then that developed in their Sampadaya, and we see what has developed is a leaning towards Chandravali Gopi. So, there are some differences. But the point is, in all of this, that Balaba, although he was like an ugly duckling in a sense amongst swans in terms of fitting in with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's group, he was nonetheless an exalted devotee. Mahaprabhu actually gave him his blessings for his sampradaya, which is an extension of the Rudra Sampradaya of Sridhar Swami fame and Vishnu Swami. Shuddhadvaita is the name of their Vedanta. So again, Balaban, we see he's affectionate towards Mahaprabhu. So he came to get the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Tenho dandavat koila prabhu, koila alingan, dui jani krishna kato huila kato kshan. Balaba Bhattacharya offered Mahaprabhu his obeisances as the Lord embraced him. After that, they discussed topics about Krishna for some time. Krishna kotai prabhur, mahaprem utaila. Batera Sankoche Prabhu Sambhana Koila. Mahaprabhu felt great ecstatic love when they began discussing about Krishna, but he checked his emotions, his feelings, because he felt shy before Balababhata. So we find repeatedly in relation to Balababhata, even in this narration, it will come up two or three times, the mention of Mahaprabhu's checking his ecstatic symptoms. We've discussed this as a standard for Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the world as exhibited by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Rashidamar used to say if a tear came in his eye, he would immediately wipe it away rather than let it pour down his cheeks and attract a cheap following thereby. Bhakti Thakur has said the Madhyamadikari, who has some standing in Vaishnavism, may cry when you're chanting and so forth, but he will be affected by the thinking that in this way people will think I'm a Pratishta. It will attract attention, whether he realizes it or not. So, the Pratishta is difficult to give up. So, Mahaprabhu checked his feelings. Antare, God, God, pray. But meanwhile, inside that prem was raging and raging. Nahi sambarana, deki chamatkar huila, 
Balabhavate Raman, what does Chamatkar mean? Wonder, and what is the significance of wonder, Chamatkar? It is the basis of all sacred ascetic rapture, all rasa, all experience of rasa is based on what we call chamatkar, wonder. So although he restrained himself internally, he was full of brain and it was raging within and there was really no possibility for him to fully check it. And Balava being himself a rasiko, he could detect it. This is extraordinary. He was a babuka. He was a relisher also of Melo's Balava, deep devotee. But what he saw at Mahaprabhu was very extraordinary. Tobe bhatta mahaprabhure niman tran koila mahaprabhu dvipai tanghari milaila. Bhattacharya invited Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for lunch and the Lord introduced the two brothers, Rupa and Balava. Dvipai dura huite bhumite podiya bhatte tandavat koila ati din hancha. So, from far away, Dura huite duibhai. These two brothers, bumite podia, they hit the ground. It means they fell flat on the ground from a distance. They were sitting at a distance. Bala was up close speaking with Mahaprabhu. And Mahaprabhu was invited for lunch. And he said, yes. And these are the two, Rup and, and Bala. And they were at a distance. And they, being introduced, they paid their dandavats to Bala Bacharja. Bate dandavat koila ati din han. So with great atidin, great humility, they paid their respects to him. Bhatta milibari jai dunhe palai dure asprisha paramamuni nad chunihamore. So Balaba began to walk towards them and they ran away from him and kept it at even a more distant place. And then Rupa Goswami said, I'm untouchable. And most sinful, please do not touch me. But there Vishmai Huila. But the charge was very much surprised at this. Prabhurahosh Harshaman and Mahaprabhu in his mind became very happy to see this. But Koila Prabhu Tanravibarana. And therefore he spoke to Balaba and described Rupa Goswami in this way. Inho na Sparshiha inho jati atihin boirika yagnika dumi kulina provin. He says, Him, na sparshiha, don't touch him. Jati atihin. He's from a very low birth. He's talking about Rupa Goswami. He says to Balaba, don't touch him. He's from a very low birth. Vaidika. Yagnika to me, Kulina Praveen. You, on the other hand, are a Vaidika. Means you're very learned in the Veda. Yagnika, expert in performing the rituals. Kulina. Kulina has a meaning in Bengal. It's very sweet. In Nadia, those from Kulina, who are Kulinas, they're the dogs of Kulina Gram, Mahaprabhu said, are more dear to me than Vedic Brahmins, such as that place. But here it has a different meaning. Obviously, Balaba Bhattacharya is not from Kulinagram. He's not even a Bengali. So, Kulina means here like high birth. So you're from a respectable family. You're a Yagnika and a Vaidika and a Praveen, a very experienced 
Brahman and this person. He's untouchable. Don't go near him. Prabhupada was like this. Prabhupada was not born in the Brahman family. He was born in a Kayasta family. There's some connection with the Brahmins, but technically speaking, he's not born in a Brahmin family. And whenever he would be with other devotees, particularly born in Brahmin families, taking prasad and so forth, he would make this point in jest. He said, oh, actually, you are eating with a non-Brahmin. You may become contaminated. He said it once to Govinda Maharaj, who was born in the Brahmin family. How can you eat with me? You become contaminated. It's a joke like that. And here we find Mahaprabhu was doing the same thing. Prabhupada had, of course, great faith in Harinam and the capacity of Harinam to transform a person from the lowest of the low to more than a Brahmana, which make a Brahman look like a low-class person in comparison. So he had great faith in the efficacy of Harinam and he experienced that by applying his faith as he did coming to America, just sitting in the park, chanting Hare Krishna, and the whole mission went on all over the world. So he had that faith, and then applying that faith, he got results, extraordinary results. So it only confirmed his faith that much more, such that he used to kind of boast about it, and so forth, and he would like to parade around his disciples and so forth, and have them worship the deities, and wear Brahmin threads, and all these things. And it was not only Hindus and Brahmins and whatnot that criticized, but even some Gaudiya people were quite critical and could not appreciate, didn't have the same kind of faith, the same kind of experience that Prabhupada had in the efficacy of Harinam. And the statements in scripture that speak about it, they would tend to interpret in ways that made them less generous than they were really intended to be. So Kaviraj Kaviraswami continues, Dunghar Mukhe Nirantar Krishna Nam Shuni Prabhura Kichu Ignito Bhangi Jani. So hearing the holy name constantly vibrated from the two brothers' mouths, Balabhacharya could understand the hints of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Mahaprabhu, of course, is joking and testing the first-class, high-class Brahman to see what he knows about Scripture, what is the depth of his understanding. And these two brothers, even while they're talking and doing other things, the holy name is constantly vibrating on their tongues. Dunhar Mukhe Krishnanam Kariche Nartana E Dui Adham Nahe Hoi Sarvottama. So Balaba is astute and he says, Since these two are constantly chanting the holy name of Krishna, how can they be untouchable? On the contrary, they are most exalted. So he said the right thing. He had the right understanding. Now he quotes a verse from Bhagavatam, famous verse, Oh Bhatta Svapacho to Gariyan. There's a verse spoken by Kopiladev to his mother Devahuti. It's prefaced by another verse, very similar. Rupa Goswami cites it in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu with regard to the Parabdha Harana, or the capacity of the holy name to eradicate Parabdha Karma the capacity of bhakti, and Harinam in particular, to eradicate the manifest karma. In other words, in this body, some people say, well, you may be chanting in this body, that's fine, that's good, but you can't perform any of the Vedic rituals or anything. Now, next life you'll get a Brahmin's birth, and then you can do some. Because they say, Harinam can do everything, but it cannot eradicate the parabdha karma. 
Rupa Goswami differs from that opinion. So he cites not this verse with the verse that prefaces it. It's very similar. Yanama deha shravanad kirtanad yat pravanad yat smaranad pikachit sadyod si sadya savanaya kalpate kutapunaste bhagavan udarshanat. The efficacy of holy name immediately qualifies one for performing Vedic rituals and so forth. Now these two verses, they fall in third canto of Bhagavatam just after Devahuti, they are her verses actually, glorifying Kupiladev, has glorified many of the transcendental qualities of the Lord. And just before these two verses, she speaks about the compassion of the Lord to appear in different avatars to uplift the fallen souls. And then she speaks these two verses about the holy name, which, of course, is an avatar, avatari, appearing as avatar. Krishna Kavira says what? Kali Yuga Nama Rupe Krishna Avatar, something like that. Then in Kali Yuga, the Lord incarnates as his holy name. And, of course, he comes himself as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to distribute himself in the form of the holy name. He distributes Krishna Prem, as Rupa Goswami has just said earlier. And how does he do it? distributing the holy name. So it's significant that she's speaking about different transcendental qualities of the Lord, and then she speaks about the compassion of the Lord to appear in different avatars to deliver the fallen souls, and then two verses about the holy name, which is the most, other than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself, compassionate form of the Lord. Rupa Goswami has said what? There are two forms in Islamasticum. You appear in two forms. The name and the named. Nam Namino. Something like that. And of the two... In the form of your name, you're more merciful because one may offend the form of the Lord, still the name will come. So this is a very compassionate appearance of the Lord in the world for wide-scale upliftment. And appropriately, Devahuti has cited two verses glorifying the holy name just as she begins to speak about the Lord's compassion. And the very nice verses, this one in particular, is cited in two other places in Chaitanya Charitamrita. It says, Oh, Bhattaswapachotogariyan, that, my dear Lord, Devuti says, one who always keeps your holy name on his tongue becomes greater than an initiated Brahmin. Although he may be born in the family of dog eaters and may therefore, by material calculation, be the lowest among men, he is still glorious. This is the wonderful effect of chanting the holy name of the Lord. It is therefore concluded that one who chants the holy name of the Lord should be understood to have performed all kinds of austerities and the great sacrifices mentioned in the Vedas. He has already taken his bath in the holy places of pilgrimage. He has studied all the Vedas, and he's actually an Aryan. Suni Mahaprabhu Tanri Bahu Pasham Shila Premavishtahan Shloko Poditilagila. Mahaprabhu liked this very much. And filled with ecstasy, he began quoting verses from Shastra to support what Balabhacharya is saying. Suchi Shad Bhakti Diptagni Dagdudur Jati Kalmasha Swapako Pi Budhai Slagyo Nastika. A person who is, has the pure characteristics of a Brahmin due to devotional service, which is like a blazing fire burning to ashes, all the sinful reactions of past lives is certainly saved from the consequences of sinful acts, such as taking birth in a lower family. Even though he may be born in the family of dog-eaters, he is recognized by learned scholars. But although a person may be a learned scholar in Vedic knowledge, he is not recognized if he is an atheist. Pashandi. And Bhagavad Bhakti Hinasya Jati Shastram Japatapa Apanaseva Dehasya Mandanam Lokaranjanam. For a person devoid of devotional service, birth in a great family, 
our nation, knowledge of revealed scriptures, performance of austerities and penances and chanting of Vedic mantras are all like ornaments on a dead body. Such ornaments simply serve as concocted pleasures of the general populace. So Bhagavad Bhakti Hinas, devoid of bhakti, anything else is of no value. So the efficacy of bhakti is being stressed, and in particular, with regard to the instance here, and the verse cited by Balabhata, the efficacy of chanting the holy name is stressed. We have many examples like this. Here's an example of Mahaprabhu himself pointing this out, using an example of Rup and Balaba who were implicated by their services to the government in Malecha culture from the viewpoint of the Hindu society at the time. Another prominent example, of course, is Thakur Haridas, who was given the prashad from the Shraddha performed by Advaita. At that time, many sophisticated Brahmins were assembled, and Advaita himself was quite a sophisticated and wealthy Brahmin, performed a huge Shraddha ritual, and afterwards, everyone was wondering, who will he give the prashad to? Which of us will be recognized by him as the best Brahmin? They all had this Brahmin ego, and waiting to see if they would be chosen, and what did Advaita do? Who did he give it to? Haridas Thakur, so-called Malecha. And they were outraged, all the Brahmins. They left that place. They denounced Advaita Charja. And what happened when they went home? Their fires for their sacrifices wouldn't light. Their wives could not ignite fires in the homes to cook for them. The way to put out the fire in their life. And Brahman lives by the fire, by the yagya, by sacrifice that it represents. So they all understood, uh, we have to go by the opinion of Advaita, and they came and paid obeisances and so forth. So Advaita made this example. And what was the activity of Haridas Thakur? Simply he chanted the holy name, incessantly. So we should never underestimate the power of the holy name. Commenting on, not this verse, but the one that's similar that I quoted that prefaces this in Srimad Bhagavatam, Jiva Goswami gives a particular opinion, and Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur gives another opinion. It's worth noting Jiva Goswami says that one who chants the holy name certainly becomes qualified. There's no doubt about that. But he becomes qualified like a Brahmin boy. In other words, if one's born in a Brahmin family as a Brahmin boy, then he is eligible to worship the deity. But still he has to wait till he gets his Brahmin thread and goes through the Upanai ritual before he can do so. So Jiva Goswami says, it's true, one who chants the holy name becomes qualified, but Still, he has to wait before engaging in these type of brahminical rituals for participating in the implication being that he should wait till his next life. But what Jiva Goswami is doing there is giving a concession relative to the climate of the times while the Goswamis were trying to establish the Sampradaya, which there was much opposition against from the Smarta community and so forth. So he gives a slight concession, but what he's really saying there, other than giving a concession, which preachers can do, what he's really saying further is that the fact of the matter is, these Brahminical rituals and so forth, they're not important to us. We have no interest in performing them. We don't chant the holy name to become purified so that we can do weddings, hair-cutting ceremonies, and as a matter of profession, worship the deity. There are two types of worshiping the deity. One type is to do as a profession, to take care of the deity, to get fruitive results of your maintenance, and so forth, with that in mind. The other type of worship is what the Vaishnavas do, 
archan is one of the nine limbs of bhakti given by Prahlad. And that is done selflessly for the pleasure of the Lord only. So the devotees, they have adhikar for that. They have adhikar for the other also, but they are not interested in that. They have no interest in that. That's why they would take off the Brahman thread, those who got initiated in previous times, into Gaudiya Vaishnava, in the Vaishnava Gaudiya mantras. And they would refrain from all those Brahman activities, even though they were previously doing them as a profession, which the Brahmins are meant to do in the society. Professional religious people. And to support what I'm saying, Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur's commentary should be studied on the verse where he says the opposite of Jiva Goswami by saying that simply by chanting one immediately becomes qualified for all these activities, but again is not interested in them. So we know that Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur is a strict follower of Jiva Goswami and Rupa Goswami, but they're saying different things. So therefore we can understand it's a time and circumstance application and the preacher takes a license. Sometimes he can say more. Sometimes he has to say less in order to get a foothold. And what did Prabhupada say? In like a needle and out like a plow. So, Jiva Goswami went in like a needle and quite some time later, Vishwanath Chakravati came out like a plow. So the plow is out, so continue <laughs> with this strong preaching. Chant the holy name and by doing so have faith that you'll be qualified for all such things. The verse cited here says that in the past, all these words that are used, Shashnur, Uchur, Grunanti, Arjan, they did austerities, they did penances, they did Vedic rituals, they've gone, they've passed through all that stuff to come and chant the holy name. So, Sri Krishna Nam Sankirtan Ki Jai.